That song ministers so much to my heart on a week like this. Seemingly coming out of Sunday, I've had one of those weeks where you get hit time after time after time. In my life, trouble often doesn't come alone. He brings his friends. Just personally, I had a kind of a health scare with my father late last week, early this week, or late last week, whatever. And then one of our, our elders now is in the hospital with his daughter. To give updates, she's, she's doing better. You're praying, your prayers are working. That's where Elder Mark is. So I ask you to continually pray for him, his wife, and his family. And so I spent Monday with Elder Mark and his family, and spent Tuesday morning driving down to see one of our brothers who's father's really, really ill. And he's suffering from the most advanced stage of cancer you can have. And drove to sit with him and to pray for his family and to pledge this church's support for them. Thank you for your giving. As I'm driving back, my sisters inform me that your mother had a stroke. And while you were sitting in someone else's house praying for their father, we were blowing your phone up. And your mom just had a stroke, and so we spent, we hightailed to hospital to be with her. Keep her in your prayers, praying for her strength. But as I talk to my mom, and my mom's been saved longer than I've been alive, and she's been a pastor's wife for a number of years, and I'm, I'm talking to her, and, and the doctor comes in, and it's that point in the diagnosis where stuff just got real, where you understand this is, this is, this is, this is a significant change in her life. And the word she utters after that, almost without hesitation, is this, well, I got to trust in the Lord now. So when, when I sing, and I will build my life, 
I understand that you can play with any wind of doctrine you want to play with. You can play with any fad you want to play with. But there is a rock in which you can build your whole life. And when the wave comes and when the winds blow upon your house, if it's built on the rock, you won't be shaking. You won't blow over. You won't cave in. So, on behalf of myself and when we talk about the power of prayer and you guys interceding and sending phone calls and text messages, one of the most powerful ways you can undergird your church, even if you don't know all the specifics, some of y'all are saying, man, I didn't know that. That's cool. We sent out a text this week just asking you to pray for your church and to send out an email asking you to pray for your leaders. Even if you don't know the specifics, the God in heaven does. So we need to be praying, not just for your leaders, for one another. Some of y'all right now, if I gave you the mic and told me and said, tell us what's going on, you'll be blown away and yet they're in church and they're lifting their hands. As I thought about this and I thought about just this week, I had a thought that is the scripture that says, but you, you have not resisted unto death talking about persecution. Here's the truth. We go through stuff, we go through challenges, but you haven't resisted unto death yet for your faith. But all over the world, there just in Somalia a few weeks ago and just in other places in Asia and in, in, and in South Africa, there are people that are dying for their faith. There are villages that are being burnt to the ground and not just adults dying, but then they're turning around and killing these young Christian children. And so I just wanted to take some time this morning and just pray for the persecuted church all over the world. I want you to stand with me. I want to pray for pray for our leaders, but I want to pray for the persecuted church. We know that the enemy is real. We know that he fights strategically. We know that when he's fighting us, it's, it's, it's a move to block us, to hinder us. Sometimes we're right at the, right at the, 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 the edge of what God wants to do next in our life. And so Satan has to send all he can to discourage us or to distract us or to depress us. He's trying to get you to forsake your God based on what's happening. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Just wherever you are, just begin to pray. Pray for this church and pray for the persecuted church. Just take some time and pray. Come on, pray to the God of your salvation. Thank you, Lord.
Come on, pray. Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, thank you that because of your son's death on the cross, thank you that because of repentance and faith, you've washed us and cleansed us. And we stand as your kids clothed in your righteousness. Thank you that we have a mediator right now that's sitting on the right-hand side of the Father, interceding for us, our big brother Jesus. So, Father, we can come to you in boldness, not afraid, not ashamed, not loaded with guilt or condemnation. We can come to a God that loves us and wants to hear from us and will hear our petition. Father, we know that the enemy accuses us, Lord. He's the accuser of the brother, and he wants to bring up our past and, and even what we did, Lord, and, and what we said and where we were. But thank you that he's a defeated foe. Thank you that he's under our feet. Thank you that he don't have the victory, can't have the victory, won't have the victory. Thank you that greater is us, Lord. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Thank you that he's under our feet, Lord. Lord, remind us of his position. So we don't give him too much credit or ignore him completely. We see what he's doing, but the blood speaks better things. We got victory in your son. And so, Lord, we lift up the persecuted church. We lift up those that are burying sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers. We lift up the persecuted church, Lord those that are hiding out in terror for their faith, Lord, not, not thinking about what they're going to choose to believe, but they've already made up in their mind to give me Jesus. Lord, we pray for the protection of the persecuted church. We pray that you would guard and that you would guide the leadership of the persecuted church. Lord, we pray that you would push back against political forces that seek to destroy your church. But Lord, we know what the book says that in the end you win. Lord, we know that the church is victorious and even when Christians are martyred for their faith, the gospel explodes in that region. So, Lord, we know that you have a great plan, and we trust what your plan is, Lord, and we pray that you would lift up those families. Be with those families, Lord. I pray for us in the West that sometimes we're asleep to what's going on around the world. Raise up missionaries to go. Raise up funding to go. Raise up prayer teams to pray for your church, Lord. And Lord, I lift up 
the situations that happened this week, Lord, you know them in great detail. You know what they are. You know them by name. You know how you're watching over. You know what you allowed. And Lord, we say even when we don't like what you're allowed, you're still God. Even when we don't like what you allowed, you can still be trusted. I can still say that you are good and your goodness lasts throughout the generations. Lord, thank you that death is not the end of any story for the believer. Death is transition. So give us hope against hope. So Father, we we this morning as a church just want to lift up somebody other than us and say, Lord, bless and strengthen and protect and heal and raise up for your glory and your namesake. So it'll be a testimony among other believers. Lord, do what you do, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray I pray, Lord, that your church would return to a gospel that's substantive, to stop preaching fallacies and pie in the sky and give people across this country something they can hold on to in a time of testing so that they can worship in pain and in challenge and not forsake a God they say they believe in. Oh, Lord, be with your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's give it up for the worship team. Phenomenal job, man. This week, um, Elder Sam called me, and uh, if if you know anything about Sam, if you're in trouble, you want to know Sam. If you're going through something, you want to know Sam. He is, he is a servant. He's God's servant. He's a choice servant. And um, I'm thankful to him and to his wife, Julie, and to how they served this church these five years. And he called me this week, and I told you last week uh, Mark was going to preach, and, and Mark's away, and, and so I was, I was going to preach. And I'm a preacher. That's what I do. And he called me and said, Rodney, if you want me to preach for you Sunday, I got it. I said, I know that was the Holy Ghost. You want to talk about the Holy Ghost? So I'm thankful for him. Um, I'm excited about what he's going to share with us today. Let's give Elder Sam a hand as he comes and blesses us. Good morning, Gospel Fellowship. Uh, this is, if this is your first time here at GF, I just want to welcome you. I was just thinking about the prayer where Pastor Rodney said his mom catching a stroke. I'm just thinking about what's going on this week. And I feel like this message is timely. And so... Thank you for coming today. If this is your first time again, we welcome you. And we're going to continue with our sermon series um, called Psalms for the Summer. 
And today we're going to focus in on Psalm 142. Psalm 142. I love the book of Psalms because basically we get a view of the writer's thoughts, what they're thinking at that time. For example, an example, I remember I was watching TV and I saw a notebook on the couch and I opened it up. It was my daughter's journal. It was there for me to read it. I wasn't searching for anything. It was there. And so I opened it up and she was talking about her, uh, her experience at chorus, her friends, her mother, of course. <laughs> she loves her mother. And um, her, uh, how, um, how she was feeling. And I was able to get a glimpse of her thoughts and her process and what made her happy, what made her sad. And this is what David is experiencing in Psalm 142. Um, David is in a cave, and King Saul is chasing after him with his armies. And he wrote this psalm, this song, this prayer to express his innermost thoughts, to express his fear. And we're going to read it together. Actually, I'm going to read it by myself. <laughs> Psalm 142, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaints before him. I tell my troubles before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. And the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And so today's message, the title is called, How to Deal with Trouble. Because a lot of us are dealing with trouble this week. You may not deal with trouble to a certain extent. Some of, of your neighbors are. But I know that you're going through a distress, a hard time. And so as Mimi was singing, the song, the theme that I kept hearing is trust, 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 trust. And so today I want to encourage you to hear this message, and I pray that God will help you. And so I have three points that I want to share with you. Point number one is to pray to God, pray to him, bring it to him in prayer. Point number two is trust in the Lord. And then point number three, embrace community. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Father, I thank you for allowing me to come here today um, to bring forth your word. I pray that this message would be gospel-centered. It will focus on you, Lord, and not what I have to say or do, O oh God, but what the Holy Spirit ha has already done in the hearts of these people this morning, O oh God. Help them to trust in you in the, during the most difficult times. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, Saul, David wrote this psalm because King Saul was chasing after him. Remember, King David killed Goliath. And eventually the people were singing David's praise. 
They said, oh, Saul killed a thousand and David killed 10,000. And so eventually King Saul David as a threat to his kingdom. And so what eventually he did, he set up traps to kill David. And David, fearful for his life, ran away to a cave. And he wrote this psalm. And we're going to break it down verse by verse. But let's go to verse number six. He says, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Some of you may not be going through a hard time like David have. You may not have a persecutor. You may not have somebody who actually wants to kill you. Uh, I remember growing up when I was, I believe, nine or ten, we saw police in our neighborhood, and there was a domestic dispute. And what happened was a wife caught her husband cheating. And it was, my, it was our neighbor, and the wife found out because my mother, who was her friend, told her. The wife was at church. My mom, for some reason, us, we stayed home that day, and she saw another, the mistress go into the home of the husband. And so she called the wife during church. The wife got up real quick and went to the house and confronted the husband and the mistress. And then a few days later, you know, my, my mother coming home, she's been a single mother. She came home, and there was three of us. And everybody in the neighborhood was saying to my mother, this mistress is looking for you. Not only is she looking for you, but she wants to kill you. And it was a scary moment in my life to the point where, as a young boy, I decided to carry a knife in my pants because I was fearful for my life. I was fearful for my mother. She was a single mother. And... Some of you may, may say it's not that serious. It was serious because I was raised in the hood hood where people got robbed, where we would, our homes would be uh, robbed, where people would be outside the neighborhood and, and there would be people who would come with guns and say, stick them up, give me all your money. And so it was a scary moment where we had to move to different people's homes to stay temporarily for refuge, for shelter. And I can remember that time when I was fearful. It's the same way David, he is fearful for his life. And he says to himself, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. He's in distress. He's in despair. He's asking God to help him. And what does he do in the first verse? Verse number one, he says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a tough situation where you can't pray in your mind? You know, because, for example, for me, when I wake up in the morning, I have to pray in my mind. Eventually, I fall right back to sleep. (laughs) But sometimes when we're going through our going through, we have to lift up our voice, cry out to God, God, help me during this tough situation. Help me. I need you. And so that's exactly what David did. He cried out to the Lord. Many of us been thought, have been thought that it is too emotional to cry out to God. It's not appropriate. But when you go into your tough time, you don't, you're not worrying about what people have to say. You're not worrying about the situation or, or, or the rumors about you. All you need during that moment is God. You need him. When, you're, when your mother has experience a stroke. You need Jesus. When your daughter is in the hospital and you can't see her, you need Jesus. 
when, when situations are going tough and you're fearful for your life. You're not worried about what people have to say. You need Jesus. And so it's important when we're going through a tough time to pray out loud. There's nothing wrong praying in your mind. You can pray in your mind. But there are many thoughts that are running through your mind. And it's hard to fight your thoughts with your thoughts. <laughs> and so what you have to do, you have to, like, basically remove yourself. How you remove yourself is by opening up your mouth to pray out loud. And so that's when what Mimi says, open up your voice and cry out to the Lord. What she is saying, open up your heart and pour out to God. Because what you're doing, you're being intimate with the Lord. You're being intimate with Jesus because you need him right now. And that is exactly what David did. He asked God for mercy to help him during his tough situation. Verse number two, we read, I pour out, I pour out my complaints before him. I tell my troubles before him. I pour out my complaints before him. I tell my troubles before him. There's nothing wrong to come to God and just unload all your problems. If anything, it's good that you can pour out your heart to God because if you don't pour out your heart to God, if you're not emotional to him, it's going to eventually pour out in other ways in your life, in other areas of your life, either in your relationship, either at your job. And another thing, if you can't be authentic with God, if you can't be real with God, who can you be real with? Going to God in prayer is like the most safest place you can go to. And, and if you can't go to him, where are you going to go? To social media? To, to your friends who can't, sometimes can't really help you? The most safest place you can go to is the Lord in prayer. Let him know about your troubles. Let him know about your struggles. Be authentic with him. And that's what David was. He was being authentic to himself, real to himself. He was saying, God, I am stressful right now. This person is trying to kill me. I don't know what to do. Only you can help me. How many of you have been in trouble to the point where you pour out your complaints to God and you wonder when is the next help is going to come from? Similar situation. David's in a similar situation. And when I read about David's situation, it points me to somebody else. It points me to Jesus. Remember, David is isolated by himself. Jesus, when he's in a garden, he tells the disciples to pray, and then he goes to the corner by himself. David is about to get arrested, beaten. Jesus is about to get arrested and beaten and killed. David is going through a hard time and in despair. Jesus is saying, Father, will you remove this cup from me? Both of, both of them are, are experiencing similar situation, but there's a difference. David, in his moment of, of a hard time and his, his crucible moment, he is praying for himself. But Jesus, on the other hand, he is praying for you and I. He's praying for us. He's asking God, can you, can Father, help them for they don't know not what they are doing. He, he is thinking about your kids who are, who are stressing you out. He's thinking about your relationship or, or, or your marriage, which is about to fall apart. He's thinking about the hard time that you're experiencing. 
And that's what makes Jesus great. Who, during the most difficult, precious moment, is praying for somebody else? Jesus. Jesus is. He, he does that for us. Not only that, when we read, when we read verse 3, David said, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. What he's saying, God, you know how I act. You know how anxious I get, anxiety, overwhelmed that I get. You know my way. You know how I tend to act. You know how I, sometimes I, I have doubt and I have uh, unbelief. But, but not only does God know my way, your way, but he knows the way. And he is in control. And he's able to turn the situation around. All you have to do is pull out your complaints to him. So I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid what people are going to say around you. Don't be afraid what your neighbors, when, you, when you're in church, and if you have to pray out loud, pray out loud. Because when you come to church, the church is a hospital. You're not coming to church to impress somebody. You're going through a, a, enough situation in your life to be worrying about what your neighbors are saying. So what you need to do is cry out to God for help. Cry out for mercy the same way David said, Lord, have mercy on me. Do the same thing. Cry out to the Lord. And so we see in these first few verses where point number one, where we have to, when we're going through our most difficult moment, we have to pray to God. Point number two is while we are praying to God, prayer causes us to trust God. So that's point number two. While you're going through your most difficult moment, trust God. Trust in the Lord. Let's read verse four. David said, I look to the right and see there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. David said he looks to his right. Why his right? Because right, your, uh, for example, the right side is the, right of, uh, the side of strength. And so he looking to his, his side of strength. He finds no one. David says, no one cares for me. Remember, at one point, they were shouting David's name. Oh, David, David, David. He killed 10,000. In the next moment, he can't find any refuge. He can't find any shelter. It's like people will be with you during your moments of victory. But when you're going through your tough moment, no one is there to be found. And this is what David is saying. God, no one is there to help me. No one takes notice of me. I don't blame the people because they were fearful for their life. Because if they helped David out, they were going to be killed. King Saul already killed somebody who was trying to help David. In a similar situation, nobody wanted to help David. And so what did David realize? David realized, I can't trust no one. The only person I can trust is the Lord. The only person I can trust is Jesus because he understands me. And what he says in the next verse, he says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. What he is saying, you are my foundation. As the song, was, as Mimi was singing, you are my foundation. I can trust in you and you alone. No one, only you won't disappoint me. You are the safe place I can run to. When he's, well, he's also saying, you are my refuge. 
He is saying, you are my solid place. You are my shelter. You are the place where only you can understand what I'm going through. And then I also, I love what David said, you are my portion and the land of the living. When I think about portion, I think about how sometimes I have to split up candy or chocolate bars with my three kids, and I got to split it up evenly. And sometimes, you know, when a candy is hard to break apart, I, I give the bigger piece to my daughters and my son because he's a boy, you know. And so my son will say, well, I have a little piece. And he's always complaining because he has a little piece. His portion is small. And so he's complaining, complaining. Then my daughter, Hannah, she's tired. She's like, okay, here, here, have my, ha- have my divide, have my porch, ha- have my little piece. Because Hannah said, this is good enough for me. And when I think about that story and I think about David, what David is saying here, my portion and the land of the living, what David is saying, the little bit that I have of you is enough. The little bit is enough to meet all the necessities that I need in life. And you are enough, more than enough. And that is what David is saying. He's saying, you are my portion. You are my hope. You are my salvation. And so, beloved, I want to encourage you. If you are going through a tough time this morning, understand that Jesus is enough. Jesus is your refuge. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is the one that can help you when everyone else has abandoned you. And today he wants to encourage you to have hope. Don't be hopeless, but have hope in him. He is your portion. When I remember the story of David, how he said he has no one I can remember of Jesus in a similar situation. Jesus is in the garden by himself. He tells the disciples to pray. Eventually, soldiers come, and they arrest him. Nobody's there to help him out. Nobody's there to provide him refuge. Everyone has abandoned him. Even some of his disciples say, I don't know you. So Jesus, he understands what you're going through. He understands the most difficult moment. And what you need to do is trust in him. Have hope in him. Realize he is your refuge, your hiding place, your fortress. Let's continue on to verse number seven. It reads, bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to you. Prison. What prison is David in? He's in the cave. He's not in the prison. But to David... He realized to himself he's in the prison in this cave, but he's in the prison in his mind. When you're going through your most difficult moment, where do you run to? Where is your safe place? Because the thing that you run to can eventually become the thing that keeps you captive. And this is a similar situation. David runs to this cave trying to find refuge. He runs to his self. He runs... And all these things are, 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 he's processing all these things in his mind. And then he realized, I'm in prison. The cage is in my mind. I'm distressed. And so I want to encourage you, go to Jesus. Your comfort should not be in people. Your comfort should not be in things. But your comfort should be in the Lord. 
Because, for example, some of you may run to a broken relationship for comfort. Some of you may run to um, sex for comfort, pornography for comfort, whatever it is. Some of you may run to food for comfort. And the the thing that you're running to can hold you captive. Understand this. The thing that you run to is oftentimes the thing you associate yourself with. So if you associate yourself with being lowly, being nobody, so you're going to run to things that are lowly and nothing, of, of no value. But if you identify yourself in Jesus, you run to the Lord. You will trust in him. You would um, seek after him. You will pour out your heart because you you understand it is through him and him alone. You understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life. You understand that he's the only one that can deliver you through your most difficult moments. David continued on, and he says, to point number three, the righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. If you have your Bibles, open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 22. First chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1. It reads, And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. Gathered to who? Gathered to David. And he became their commander over them. And there, was, and there were with him about 400 men. And so here to my third point, when you're going through a t- tough time, surround yourself with community. Remember, David thought he was by himself. David thought no one cares for me. You know, you can say um, a person may not be there with me during my most difficult time. They may be absent, but to say they don't care for me? That's another, that's, that's a strong word. And so, but then his parents hears about him in the cave. And so what they end up doing, they end up going there to help him. Not only that, but God ended up sending people who are in debt, people who are in distress, and everyone who was in despair to gather around him. And what I realized in this verse is that God may surround you with people, and you may look upon them like, man, they have nothing to offer me. But never minimize your friendships because God will use these people to help you. God will use these people to support you. Understand that the church is a church of broken people. No one is perfect. The church will disappoint you. Everywhere everywhere else you go will disappoint you. And so we need to be in community to support one another. The enemy, what he tends to do, he tends to isolate us, cause us to be by ourselves, having all these thoughts running through our mind, you know, doubting ourselves. But we need our brothers to sharpen each other. We need our sisters to encourage one another. So I encourage you, if you're going through a tough time, don't isolate yourself. Run to friends. Run to family. For they are there to help you. Amen. I love what what Tim Keller says. He says, only if you are a part of a community of believers seeking to resemble, serve, and love Jesus will you ever get to know him and grow in his likeness. 
only if you are a part of a community of believers seeking to resemble, serve, and love Jesus will you ever get to know him and grow in his likeliness. So what end up happening is it's through our community we see the hand of God. It's through the com- our community we, we, where we see one another, where we are encouraged by one another. Difficult times will come. It's not if they're going to come. They will come. And we need one another to stand s- strong. And uh, similar to David's situation, David, it's not the best who came to help him out. It's the weak. It's those who people consider the lowlies, those who nobody wanted. And so in a similar situation, I encourage you to embrace family, to embrace those who God has placed in your life. We know that David prayed and looked out in the cave entrance and saw his brothers come and his mom and his dad, then one after another. The most likely came the distress, the discontent, and surround him. They showed him that he was king. And so I encourage you to pray to the Lord when you're going through a tough time, to trust him, and also embrace community. Community is what you need. And then to the last point in verse chapter, in, in verse 7, David said, the righteous, again, will surround me. Who is the righteous? Obviously, we can say it's the, the people that came around him to support him. But scripture says no one is righteous except the Lord. And so what David was doing, he was pointing to the Lord. He was pointing to God. He said, God will surround you. God will embrace you. God is there for you. Not only that, David said, for you will deal bountifully with me. Meaning, not not only will God help you, not only does he hear you, but he will deal bountifully with you. And so I want to encourage you today, you close your eyes, bow your head. If you are going through a a tough situation this week, if you feel like you are in trouble, I want to encourage you to cry out to the Lord. The bad news is this, that you are in distress, you are in despair. But the good news is this, that Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to get out the prison that you're in. And so at this moment, the prayer team, would you come up? If you are going through a tough time and you need somebody to pray with you, to encourage you, I encourage you to come up right now. God wants to set you free. He hears your plea. Whatever situation, whatever difficult time you're going through, God is here to help you. God is here. So we're going to take this moment to pray to the Lord. Can you stand with us, church?
God is encouraging you to pour out your heart, to pour out your life to him. You can come to the front. This is a safe place. The Lord is a safe place. He says, tell me my troubles. He wants to hear about your troubles. He wants to hear about your fear. Anything that's causing you to have anxiety, come to him. Dear Lord, we thank you for this message. We thank you for what you have done this week, oh God, how you have shown that you are here with us. You have shown us through your word for us to trust in you. To, for us to build our foundation on no one else but on you alone. And so, Father God, help us. We are fearful, Lord. We, we admit it. We are authentic to ourselves. We are speaking the truth, but we know this truth, that you hear us and that you are our refuge and that you are our hope. You are our salvation, oh God. And we build our hope in nothing else but upon you, O oh God. I pray in the name of Jesus, help us, O oh Lord. Show us the way. I pray this week, O oh Lord, whatever fear that we're going through, I pray in the name of Jesus, will you remove it, O oh God? Remove it, not because I said so, because you already did it through your son, Jesus Christ. And we don't have to wrestle with fear, oh God. We don't have to be in bondage anymore. But, oh Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you have set us free, oh Lord. You have redeemed us. And we thank you, oh God. We give you all the glory and all the praise, oh Lord, this morning. You are a good, good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.